This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. And welcome everybody to this episode of Coming Home with John Allen. I am your humble host, John Allen. Before I introduce you to this fine gentleman here, I want to give you a couple of of pieces of news. Uh, If you don't know, now you know, I'm working on a book. Before the book is even published, before it's even edited, you can listen to me reading one chapter at a time, once a week, until the book is finished. I'm going to read the whole thing to you guys as I write it, okay? If you want to be a part of that, look at the link in this description of this episode. There's a link there where you can go to, and it'll take you right to the subscription. It's only $1 a week, $4 a month. You guys have that, don't you? If you if you jump in on that, you're supporting my work on the book. You're supporting my work in general. Uh, I do appreciate it. You guys know I love you, and I will definitely appreciate it if you support me in this book project. Bill, <laughs> your turn. Hi. Four dollars. I could afford four dollars. Sign up, man. I will. I will. definitely will. <laughs> Look, I've been looking forward to this for a long time, and I'm saying this more and more often. Um, I love doing this podcast. I love doing the radio show because it's an avenue for me to meet people who I would otherwise just wonder about. You're a guy I've been wondering about for a few years now. We have a lot of friends in common in the music world. And uh, I've I've listened to uh, your latest recording. I got to to get a sneak peek of it, so thank you for that. Uh, Beautiful music. Thank you. you. Well-written. as a lyricist myself, I'm very much preoccupied by lyrics. Yeah, me too. And you nailed it. Well. You nailed it. You know, before I've heard your music, but this time I studied your music when you sent me this this album, uh, and just it's just beautifully written. Would you say that there's a thread in these songs, well, or are they kind of probably, hanging independently? Unconscious thread. Yeah. So, yeah. I just I write what I what I what I'm thinking about. You know. Yeah, it, it comes out in all the souls of it. Stream of consciousness, right? Yeah, kind of. I'm yeah. trying to. Uh, I try to use as few words as possible. I read a book about Hemingway, who I, I'm not a fan of, by the way. But when he was young, working on a newspaper, his editor told him to take all the uh, adjectives out. Ah. Instead of saying it's very hot, say it was hot. You know, and Hemingway supposedly wrote the uh, shortest novel in the world. It was something like uh, For Sale. Baby shoes never used. You know, that matches with something I read just this morning. Um, I've read Stephen King's book on writing several times before, but now I've picked it up again. And in one of the first few paragraphs of that book, he talks about uh, the the importance of not writing too many words. I don't know if you got that from Hemingway or... Or what? But he, he, he praises his editors, Stephen King does, uh, because they pull him back when he wants to talk too much. Yeah, yeah. You can't be a blabbermouth in your writing. And I'm sure it's the same in music. I know it's the same in music. Well, and now I'm finding out that it's the same in books. You can't be a blabbermouth. You've got to be... Uh, there's something about brevity in, poety, in, in poetry. And songwriting is poetry. You know, yeah, I guess about so, yeah. Using as few words as possible to put that feeling out there. It's just, you don't... Uh, there's it's such a thing as descriptive writing where they really talk about the landscape or, you know, yeah. but the, I, if you're going to tell a story, I, you leave little spaces and people can infer different things. You know? Yeah. You're, yeah. Not, you're not just, if you tell it, if it's so, it's so pedantic, it's so like straight ahead and you tell every detail, you say here once, that's it. Yeah, you know, right? yeah. You, you heard it. You know what happens, you know the ending, you know. <laughs> you've been doing this music thing for a long time. Yeah. Is it getting old? 
Are you still no, on fire? No, I'm still learning. Still learning. I may not be on fire, but I'm still learning. <laughs> I've still got a lot of music. Music never came naturally to me. Of those, really, some it people, didn't. Some people say I'm a natural, but I don't, I don't feel I have to work hard. And playing the bass, playing the bass and singing is particularly difficult. And uh, I got to tell you, I can't do that. I can't. Uh, it's practice. Well, the, the bass, I can. To me, that's it's more linear to play the bass. But when I sit with a guitar. My timing, my rhythm is huh. off when I'm trying to sing at the same time. So I avoid that at all costs. <laughs> when mm. I record, I'll record yeah. independently of, of the guitar. Uh, and when I'm performing live, I'm just the vocalist. I let the musicians handle that other stuff. We well, could stop playing the guitar if you have another guitar player, you know? Could do that, yeah. <laughs> but the bass, the thing about bass, sometimes is a rhythm, rhythmic thing. It's yes. a counterpoint to what you're singing. Yeah. And that can be difficult. It can be, but then you just write simpler songs. You just write dumber songs, and then it's easier. This last album, we wrote uh, the songs, and I played the bass, and then I wrote, sang the words, and now I have to learn how to sing them and play them at the same time. Well, it is a process. You know, uh, You know, writing this stuff and getting it down during a recording is totally different than throwing it out there live. I think about how uh, Getty Lee from Rush talks about uh, how it, it's, a, it's um, you know, he likens it to an athlete training for... A, a, a sports performance, an athletic performance, you've got to train up to it. He can't do this thing with singing bass, uh, keyboards, and foot pedals. He, it's not just a thing that comes naturally. He has to work on it. So to hear him say that he actually has to work on it, it kind of brings the humanity of it all <laughs> down to our level. And well, the, the early records we did, we everything we did was already already performing it live. Before we yeah. recorded. And that's a whole different world. And to me, that's much more natural. Guitar solo, you think so? Yeah. Just uh, come, you know. They don't. You don't have to go over the studio to overdub a guitar solo, because right. Yeah. It's, when the guitar player is taking the solo, it changes what everyone else plays. Yeah. And they have that organic now, synergy or something. Now you, you say we. Uh, this we is this the same band that you've had all through the years, or has yeah, it yeah. been changing? No, it's the same band since uh, more or less since when we had the house band at Muddy Waters. And that was going back to. I think that was seven years starting from the late 90s. Yeah. What is that like to play with the same people? Well. So constant and so solid. You guys probably get this family atmosphere. You get this thing yeah, probably well, where you just look at each other and you know what's going on when you're on the stage there. I, I can hear it, too. I can, and I, I'm so familiar with what they all play, and they're familiar with me. But the thing is, in Norway, you don't get to play that much. Isn't that a sad thing? There, yeah. there, there is such a lack of, of music, live music venues here. Um, and then the bigger, more popular places, if you're just a, a local guy, you're not going to get in. You know, you got the big bands, the Hellbillies, and the, oh, yeah. you, the, you, these you, guys are taking the, the, those spots, you know. If you're lucky, you work on the weekends, but after this pandemic has just destroyed everything. And I thought that once we got back on our feet after yeah. the pandemic, I thought people would be ready roaring, for live music. Twenties or something. I yeah. thought, yeah, and I and I thought the venues, I thought the owners of these venues would do something to just open it up, and it hasn't happened. No, because it's still uh, hanging over our heads. I wonder if the businessmen are afraid. They're afraid to invest in some new renaissance of live venues. They're afraid because we don't know if COVID's going to come back. Yeah, well, it's not going. It's not going to go away. It'll just be like the. I think it's here. It's just another encroaching on the animal kingdom, and they're killing us, you know, monkeys and birds. And now we got monkeypox? Yeah. What the heck is that? Good God. 
And we have to worry about it. There's no monkeys here in Norway, but we no, still have to worry about it. That's small potatoes compared to the COVID. Yeah, it is. It is. Scary stuff, man. I, um, how did, did, you, catch, did you get, did you catch COVID? I sure did. I got it uh, a couple months ago and I'm still feeling it. You're going to notice that I'm blinking a lot and my eyes are watering. I've had, like a, I've had like a, I've had like, I've had like a, I don't want to say it's an eye infection because it's not an infection, but something is wrong with my eyes uh, after COVID. I lost my sense of smell. My taste got out of whack. Yeah, that's it. And probably still is. Because it's related. It's yeah, yeah. But there's there's something with my eyes. They water constantly. They're a little a little sore actually in the in my eye. It's sore. I've never had sore eyes before. You're an eyesore. I mean, I, I I've been an eyesore most of my life. <laughs> but I've never I been. I'm from New York. I can't help. <laughs> you give me a straight line like that. I gotta have it. I gotta. Do, get do you know here. Michael Wexler? Uh, sounds familiar. Michael Wexler. He's another American in yeah, Norway. I think uh, I'm friends on Facebook. You probably are. Most people are. <laughs> He's a, a great guy. He's also from New York. Okay. Jewish guy from New York. And I tell you, I re, you know, when I start to think that I'm pretty quick up in my head, here comes Michael and he just catches me with these. Uh, if, if I leave the door open yeah, during yeah, the conversation, yeah. he's going to get me. He's going to straight line. It's a New York thing. Sagan? It's called a straight line. Is that what you, you guys have a word for that? Well, it's, it's a comic uh, thing, you know, like Sagan Night Gracie. Good night, Gracie. You know? And I, and and, I, and I, Michael keeps me on my toes, so he's kind of prepared me for this. I'm glad I haven't spoken to you for all these years until now. <laughs> now I'm ready. <laughs> How did you get from New York to Norway? What happened? Tell tell that story. Oh, that's a long story. I first came over here, '83 or '84. I can't remember exactly. With a, a band from New York, country band. We used to play the Gamla Christiana in Oslo, yeah. and we do it. Uh, we come over for two months. We play seven nights a week, four sets a night. Is that the same venue as Gamla? They call it Gamla. Yeah, no? the same, place. same thing. Yeah. But, but back then it was Gamla Christiana? Um, no, we just call it that. It's, okay. it's the Gamla. Okay, okay. And I've now, played there once. Oh, we've played. We live over on Urtigata. Uh, we were working for Olaf Thun, who had all the, ah, okay. all the venues back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and right. I, I, did, I did that for uh, seven, eight years, every year. And uh, I met a beautiful Norwegian girl. As one does. She said she loved me forever. Did she say that? I think she did. Think I, she in did. my mind, she did. You tell yourself anyway, she we said had, that. <laughs> we had, she came to New York. We got married. We had uh, twin girls. Ah. And then she uh, decided she had to go back to Norway with the kids. Okay. And I had, I followed so I could be Papa, you know? Yeah, yeah. That was 28 years ago. 28 years. No, not, no 26 years ago. 26 years ago. I've been here for 20 years. Time flies. I could do Norsk. I sure do. Why not? I'm not nearly as smart as I look. Let me tell you. <laughs> I try. I, I try every now and then, but I, I kind of. I I yeah. love the language, and I and I picked it up quick. But I pick up languages quick. I picked up Spanish right away, Spanish and is used it fluently on the job. I picked up Japanese Ooh. and spoke it. For, I, I never got the hang Army of learning. No, I'm Marines. Marines. Stop insulting me, Marines. <laughs> I uh, I picked up Japanese quick and spoke it fluently. But the thing is, is as I would learn a new language, the previous one fades out. Huh. So if I hear so Japanese, I can understand a little bit. If I hear Spanish, I can understand a lot. But I struggle yeah, to formulate a sentence. Yeah, stop, stop cursing at me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I picked up you Norwegian. Live in New York, you know. <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. But I picked up Norwegian real quick. Uh, within a couple, three months, I was conversing with people. But people make fun of me because of my accent. I speak with a Finnmark. Oh, yeah. uh, well, it's kind of half Finnmark and half Ninosk, half uh, yeah, no, So I'm kind of a mix right there. And people give odd looks, this black guy speaking some 
somewhat exotic dialect. But it, it's what I learned. It's where we lived. You yeah, know. When I, I lived upstate New York. I went to college in New Paltz, and uh, you, you, I meet black guys up there who speak flat English. You know, there's yeah. no southern Nothing. accent at all. Yeah. People would find that strange. You know? Yeah. Oh, people always want to put others in a box, and yeah. this is what they expect, and this is what they should fall in line with. Yeah. So this process of making this album, let's go back to the music okay. thing. Uh, first, I need to take a break. Um, for those of you listening to this on the radio program, uh, it's also going to be available as a podcast episode. So again, check out Coming Home with John Allen on your podcast platform of choice. You can also find it on YouTube. That's where I want you to be, YouTube. You see how pretty we are. Huh. You know? It's one thing to listen to these soothing so. voices, <laughs> but but on YouTube, you can see how pretty we are. Going to take a quick music break, and we'll be back in a few minutes. This is Coming Home with John Allen. And we're back. This is coming on with John Allen, and I'm speaking with Bill Toriani from New York. You pronounced it properly, too. Of course I did. Of course I did. I know my I know my ethnicities. <laughs> you know, I tell, uh, one interesting thing. Now, wh where in New York did you grow up? I was born in Manhattan. I, we moved to Queens when I was a, almost a teenager. Pretty dynamic racial mix in your neighborhoods, or was it? Well, in, yeah, up, up in Washington Heights, yeah, where, yeah. I, where I was born. But uh, Queens, uh, we moved to a uh, part of Queens is pretty straight, white, Jewish. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I had, my high school, I had lots of friends from all different. Uh, yeah. It's, I can't even say it. <laughs> but uh, uh, I had quite the monochrome uh, uh, upbringing. And it's real interesting to be writing about this in my book now, but uh, being. Uh, the black kid oh, really? in my class in this country, you know, rural cornfield town yeah, yeah, yeah. was quite uh, quite the experience. But uh, I, I didn't really get introduced to any kind of ethnic mix, that societal mix that is common out there, but I just didn't see it until I joined the Marines. And then I started meeting people from different cultures with the, you know, different last names that end in a vowel and things yeah, like yeah. that. So... But Norway is. Uh, That's pretty. Do you, feel, do you feel at home here? Yeah, I actually do feel at home. You do. Yeah. yeah? Uh, my my real name is my first. I was born. I was Blumgren. My father was from Minnesota. He was half Swedish and half Scottish. Oh really? And yeah. My mother was Jewish from uh, Connecticut, I think. Okay. So I'm like you know I'm like the melting pot itself. Yeah, but, yeah. You know Scottish, Swedish, Jewish, Russian, with an Italian name. How about that? Uh, yeah. That's the mix right there. Well, we look at uh, my kids with Snoopy. You know, I'm this black American. She's a uh, psalmist uh, Norwegian. And then here's these two kids we have. So they've got this. Sounds nice. This interesting. I think it sounds Hybrid nice. Hybrid vigor, they call it. Hybrid vigor. They certainly have vigor. Absolutely. <laughs> They're at that age where the vigor is just running out of them. That's a shame. That especially, I think America is more concentrated on that. Who's who and who's what. I my, think so. My daughter went to a wedding in uh, in, in America, and uh, some guy was talking to her. You're from Norway, right? Yeah, yeah, blah, blah. She says, you know, I'm Irish. She said, no, you're not. You know, you're an American. You've been right. there generation right. after generation, maybe some way way back. But you go far enough back, and we're all like, we're all the same. I mean, you know, it's it's nice to to be in touch with your your ethnic identity, but but I agree with you that. In the States, there's too much tribalism. Tribalism can be a positive thing. It's part of the melting pot. But it's gone over to this thing where 
It's an us against them. It's a toxic thing. It's we're better than you. What the heck happened? Because it wasn't like that when we left. Uh, it was, but it, it became was, this thing it was since there. we've been gone. It was there. Well, yeah, it's been there, it's but been, it's been it's under the surface. Now. Yeah, now it's almost a, a matter of pride to show what the, a jerk you are when it comes to, to race and ethnicity. Now people are proud of it. If you, you section off your group and you, yeah. you like, uh, like say, the kosher laws, right? We yeah. don't eat pigs. Right. right? But everyone, everyone else in the world is eating pigs, right? And the reason, mainly the reason for it is that you keep your cohesion in your group. In Switzerland, for example, they say, I would never let my daughter marry someone from that mountain. You right, know? right. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's very natural and it's uh, it's being exploited and they're, they're making money, you know? Well, I think it's very much being exploited. I look at some of these politicians who you can tell they're intelligent people. They're educated uh, and they know what's right and wrong. They've they're got hypocrite. a moral compass, but they're disregarding all of that in the interest. Yeah, they're hypocrites, and they're doing it all in the interest of their own advancement, whether it's political advancement or financial. Bill, Bill Torrani is, is doing the, the, this is a New York thing, It's isn't almost it? the same thing, financial and political. You know? Well, it, now it is. Now it is, yeah. That's one thing about Norway that I really admire. There's no money in politics. Say it. I love it. You know, like a, you, you get elected in America, you immediately have to start fundraising for the next election because... When that time comes, you have to do TV commercials, yeah, and yeah. the price of TV commercials goes up, up the roof. It would change the very fabric of America if yeah. they took money out of yeah, politics. Yeah. Make the lobby, uh, the lobbyist thing, uh, uh, if not illegal, Citizens drastically United. reduce the influence of it, and just take the fundraising crap out of it. Citizens United. Well, there you, you know, go. I used to see a corporation go to jail. You know? <laughs> but how do you feel? Let me ask you this: How do you feel? What does this? What does the current social and political situation back home do to you? Um, a lot of people have talked about this before on my program. Where and, and I and I'm one of those people who, as an American, uh, you know, and I still have my citizenship. I'm still an American, and it it has done something to me to see all of the ugliness, all the vitriol, all of the dysfunction back there. It's this feeling of helplessness where I am ultra aware of every little thing that happens and the this this desire this pull to activism to at least say something about it is very strong it's pulling me and a lot of people feel this a lot of other americans uh american expats americans in norway feel that as well can you talk about that in your case well i know i have people friends of mine who were very apolitical on purpose and now yeah. they're not anymore now they yeah. have to say something it's just outrageous yeah you know it, well, I, I, really, I really feel like one side is telling, trying to tell the truth. The other side is just making stuff up and lying. Let's just say it like it is. Now, Democrats, is there corruption in the Democratic of Party? Of course. It's always corruption. But it's not flaunted in the way that it is in the Republican Party. Uh, are there evil doings behind the scenes among Democrats? Of course there are. That's politics. People. But again, it's not flaunted. It's not the modus operandi of the party as it is with the Republicans. I don't. I, I, I don't know that, if it's flaunted so much as they just don't. They don't say it. They don't. They don't. They they, well, lie, they just they say things in such a way that they just try and cover it up. It's don't look at don't look at the man behind the curtain. You know, yeah, from Wizard of yeah. Oz, right? Well, well, the thing is, the Republican Party appears to be playing everybody for a fool. They think everybody is stupid. Because, uh, I wouldn't generalize about the Republican Party. Parts of the well, let's say the leading, uh, the yeah. leading faction. Let, let's just say it like it is. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I don't want to say it is 
like this, but this is what I feel. My observation is that the MAGA Republicans, and I think President Biden was good to separate the two things. The MAGA Republicans are the driving force of the Republican Party right now. Now, now that is not to say that every Republican is a MAGA Republican. They can't lose that base. They'll get nothing. Exactly. So, so the, I think there is a difference. There's a line in between MAGA yeah. Republicans and the Republican Party. Unfortunately, those who are not MAGA Republicans are way too quiet. They see what is wrong. They see the damage, and they're too silent. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I'm waiting for the Joseph, Joseph Welch uh, moment, you know, like, have you no decency at long last, sir? Yeah. I'm waiting for that to happen. We need that. I would love to see somebody like, uh, well, Mitch McC- or, I'm sorry, uh, Mitt Romney has kind of done that. Yeah, from time to time, softly. He's too squeaky for me. Yeah, so like I say, softly. The way he makes his money. He tries to balance that thing. He wants to appease enough MAGA Republicans, but he also wants to look like a good guy. And he probably is a good guy at heart, but he's he doesn't have the balls to, to stand up and do what's right. But I want to see that, that, that moment. I want to see that moment from somebody like Mitch McConnell. Oh, that's not going to happen. And it's never going to happen. But, but it, that, it did happen after, on January 6th. He came and then what well, was it, next day? The next day, the yeah, very yeah, next yeah, day, yeah, he was back in line. I'll never say it again. So it, it's going to, and I think it's going to take somebody like Mitch McConnell to call out the MAGA Republicans. But as you say, and as I agree with, it's it's never going to happen. And that's why it's going to be a long time before. It has to slowly fade away. It's going to take generations. Away. I was just going to say, that's going to be a long, slow fade. I was just reading about... Um, Who's that four-star general or three-star general that got that Trump had to let go? What was his name? Mm. <laughs> Which Flynn, one? There's a few Flynn. of them. Flynn, yeah. yeah. He's doing some. He's going around the country now doing these like ultra uh, QAnon, yes, uh, that's, Christian nationalism thing. And, and that's it's, scary. it's all out. It's all straight out there. And know, that's like, extra frightening because this was a guy uh, high up in the military who had a lot of influence and a lot of people yeah. under him that had to follow his orders. Yeah. yeah. So now my thought has been, what has this guy done before that we don't know about yet? And what what can he do in the future? Does he still have the influence and the power that he once had to where he can actually organize people and put them to action? That he's going to do that. Some people will follow him. but He, he believes get, martial law goes, should have been in place uh, for January 6th. Yeah, yeah, I know. You know what I mean? So so does he have the power to make something like that happen? No, I don't know. No, I don't think so. I don't think Trump Trump didn't have the power to do that. Because there's still reasonable people around. More more people are reasonable than are going to believe in the QAnon. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. And 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 again, uh, the pedophile uh, um, ring. Yeah, yeah, you know, in the pizza gate. Of, yeah, of the comet pizza. Right, there's no basement. And and again, a majority of the Republican Party <laughs> is not of that MAGA faction. But again, they're way too silent. Yeah. They don't like what he. They don't like the way he acts, but they like what he does. You know, his policies. What policies? When he when he ran in 220, there was no platform. Republican Party had no platform. First time in history, I think. Yeah, they just want to shout about these crazy conspiracy theories, but that's not a platform. Well, whatever Trump says is our platform. Yeah, yeah. What the, what the, am I allowed to curse on the radio? You can curse. <laughs> you can curse. <laughs> F-bombs are allowed. No censorship here. That's yeah, just uh, it's insane. It is insane. Have you um, have you lost any friends or fa- or contact with family because of all this stuff going on? Yeah, there's a faction of my family that uh, in Staten Island that are voted for Trump, but they're mm-hmm. like cousins and uh, yeah. stuff like that. And, uh, now, did they vote for Trump because they like his economic policies, or did they vote for Trump because they believe this ugliness that he's pushing? I never asked. Really? 
Yeah. So I just keep peace in the family, you know. Yeah. Bring they that mic in. Bring that mic in a little closer to you. They they, they know my views, you know. And, uh, but I don't, I'm not there that much anymore because uh, of the pandemic and everything. When's the last time you were home? Well, I was there in December. My my funeral. My sister died. And I was there oh, two, I'm sorry. I was there two two years ago, right after the pandemic started, because my nephew died. Her son. So oh, it's been. Uh, sorry to hear that. Yeah. That's rough, man. I uh, yeah, that took me right immediately to uh, this thing that I've been feeling that it's. Um, I feel like somebody important. I'm gonna lose them back in the states, and I won't be able to get back. But I didn't have any friends. I had one guy I had a block who was like an acquaintance. But most of my friends, you know, we kind of agree about all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. People in New York knew that Trump was an idiot. I just saw it was a long segment on MSNBC where they were talking to a bunch of uh, businessmen, uh, union representatives, and and, uh, mom and pop contractors. I know exactly what you're going to say. From New York, and, and they the, had been the pianos in Atlantic City. Yes, among other things, and it, and and it's just this is the man yeah. that these people elected president. And look what he did to cr- these average people. Look what he did to them. He's a, he's a, look what is uh, like building up the uh, his assets to get a loan and knocking them down so he doesn't have to pay too much tax yeah. on it. You know, I mean, he buried his wife on the golf course. Now the golf course is going to be a cemetery. I don't know if he did it on purpose. And a cemetery, you know, has certain more rights. Uh, yeah, I don't know the details, but there are a lot of tax yeah. ins and outs when it comes to using that uh, golf course as a cemetery. Uh, <laughs> I'm just looking at the... I'm, the not say, I'm not saying that he's doing anything wrong, you know. I, I don't no, but know. I'm just looking at the tastefulness or the <laughs> lack of tastefulness uh, in that whole thing. To bury is it? Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't want to turn this into a oh. Trump bashing. Let, let it, let's just let's just sum it up by saying we bash Trump freely. <laughs> we don't <laughs> want to spend the whole episode on it. Listen, when we come back, I want to talk some more about your music. I want okay. to take a little uh, music break right here. This is coming home with John Allen. We'll see you in just a couple minutes. And we're back now. Thank you everybody for listening to Coming Home with John Allen. Remember. This is on the radio station, of course, if that's where you're listening. But you can also listen to the entire conversation uh, as a podcast episode. And you can find that at uh, the podcast platform of your choice, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. But we want you on YouTube. See how cute we are? This is where we want you to be, watching us on YouTube. I do not photograph well. Sure he does. You see, it's it's, it's the lighting. The lighting brings out the good, okay? Okay. (laughs) Listen, Bill. Yeah. This album, it's a little different. It's a little different yeah, it's a, it's from a, the music that you've done before. It's, it's quite a departure from whatever I've done. I'm a little nervous. How so? I'm How a little so? nervous about it because it's so different. And it's a, a lot of it, I'm even sure you could put in the uh, R&B blues, R&B, old-fashioned R&B blues kind of category. It started with, uh, it's, it's, it's the pandemic album is what it is. Because uh, I was... Uh, I have a good friend in California, San Jose, Kid Anderson. He has a studio there. He's Norwegian. He has a studio that records a lot of different people, a lot of blues artists. His band keeps winning the award, awards and stuff. Yeah. And he uh, was going to do um, La- this guy, Latimer, who had a couple of hits in the, in the 70s, you know. Uh, let's work, let's straighten it out. Let's straighten it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's gonna, he was going to make a, like a record. Wow, And cool. the kid was going to record him. And the kid called me and said, can you write it? you have a song for him? I said, well, I'll think about it. So I listened to his big hit, and I copied it a little bit, and I wrote a song about it. And uh, the the present, it was just me and the bass. 
So I went to my friend Kim uh, Bergseth, who has a studio over at the uh, film park in Inyar, and uh, I asked him if he'd help me. And he said, yeah, sure. So we put we put drums on there, you know, drum machine. Yeah. He played guitar, you know, we, I, we expanded the song. And we had it already. I sent it to the kid, and then the pandemic hit, and everything was off. <sighs> and after a few weeks, Kim said, that was fun. Let's write some songs together. I yeah. Said, sure. So I went over. There's nothing else to do. There's no gigs. Right. That's all I do. I don't have a job. Right. Uh, uh, so we started writing these songs, and, I, and it's strange the way we wrote them, because he's he's a... A whiz on the computer, the Pro Tools kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. He's very, very good at it. Very fast, and and he he, he did some work with uh, Amin Morwood that I really admired, and the album, albums, the, the one of the albums Amin put out, and it's just these little. I write songs tend to be like blues, you know, R and B, little country maybe, and and I stick to standard. Yeah. Arrangements, you know, yeah. it doesn't occur to me to do all these little. These little nice touches. That Take he, those little side steps. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. He's real good at that. Yeah. So this album has a lot of that on it. Okay. Matter of fact, when I played the first cut for uh, my girlfriend Ellen, her comment was, "Well, hi, I, Ellen." <laughs> I saw. I said hi for you. Um, <laughs> her first comment was, "Well, that's the end of the Billy T band." Oh, <laughs> <But that's>, really? <coughs> because it was she, that different. And now she likes it. Yeah. But all the songs are like we were. Uh, uh, Kim and I were going to write, just writing songs. Maybe we're trying to pitch them to somebody. Yeah. We said, what would this guy like when we write yeah. songs? You know, and then we had all these songs and no one, no, we ran at the flagpole, nobody saluted. So, But that's when you record them yourself into yeah. your own project, yeah. right? Yeah. And we had to get my band in there and overdub stuff, you know. The Billy T Band. Yeah, that's a stupid name. We're stuck yeah, with it. Yeah, it fits. You say, I can't say it without smiling. Yeah, okay. Billy T, I smile every time so, I say it. So there's that. That's so silly. It's <laughs> <coughs> not the most imaginative, but no. uh, it brings a smile. So it hey. comes from the uh, when we had the house band at, at uh, Muddy Waters. Muddy Waters, like, yeah. It's just simple. What is uh, your preference? Writing for your own projects, writing for others. Hmm. Well, I, I like I like my own projects better. But I mean, I do write for others and with others. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm proud of a lot of stuff I've done. I, when I moved to Norway, I, I really hadn't written any songs in years. Really? Yeah, I wasn't doing it, but I kind of found myself as the band leader and doing all the singing. I wonder if it's some because I I experienced something similar. I wonder if it's that whole thing of digging up your roots and replanting yourself here in Norway. You see things different. I, I saw things different. I saw yeah. so many opportunities because it was, it was, you know, I had always been a little bit of a writer, poet, you know, tinkering with words and stuff, but I really d dove into it and started writing a lot for, for other artists here once I came here because it's part of that replanting process. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Did you feel something like that? It's no, just your new no. country, new opportunity? I, no? I didn't really feel that, but I, I was no? kind of, necessity was the mother, you know? necessity I, yeah i had to i had to we were putting out a record i had to write something oh, yeah. original. gotcha yeah right yeah this last album is all original the first yeah. one usually one before that had one cover and the yeah. first one was i think i wrote two or three songs and the rest were all covers we have oh, really? this is our fifth album coming out yeah yeah two spillman's so, priests yeah how about that yeah huh? yeah that's the uh, norwegian equivalent of the uh, grammys the spillman piece speaking of which yeah uh kid anderson was recording for this guy Frankie Bay, and he did one of my songs, and it was the album got nominated for a Grammy. Did it really? American Grammy. It didn't win. 
but just to be in the nomination process, man, that's pretty cool. And then when he uh, he passed away shortly after that, and they used it at his funeral, and at the memorial show, they had different the same my song. Well, me, me and Hawk and Hoyer wrote. Would you say that that is your? I don't know. The high point of my career. High, well, the high point of your collaboration with writing oh. for others. Would you say that that's? It was pretty pretty good. I don't really think about that much, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Never never would have thought that I get anywhere close to the Grammys. I bet if you were to take the time, engage in some introspection, and just think through your music career, you would have several moments where you're literally reminding yourself about how good you are. <laughs> I try to stay away from that. Why not? It's not for me to say, really, you know? I don't know. I know. You know I but know, aren't you allowed to feel? Are, is 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 I an artist like I, not allowed to feel good about? I their feel art? good. I feel good about myself, but I'm not going to walk around telling everybody how great no, I am. No, no, no. I not, know people. But like again, in, this is introspection. Introspection. You know, your this is your own little inner journey, inner conversation with yourself about your. But see, music I know career. all my shortcomings as well. Sure. And I, I sure. every time I play, I make mistakes. You know. Yeah. And uh, I've been a side man all my life, bass player. You know. And I didn't even start singing harmony until I moved here. Really? Yeah, I was just playing the bass. Man, I'm really digging your vocals on this album. Thank you. What's your favorite song on this album? Oh, I don't know. No I favorite? Uh, there's a country song in there called yeah. uh, if, you, if I Could Only See. I like that one. Ellen likes that one. Ellen likes the uh, River Catching Fire. Yeah. And... Uh, the new uh, the new single is completely different than anything I've done. Talk about I that. Paradise. I love that song. Yeah. But I've been kind of flipping back and forth. At the moment, that's my favorite song oh. on the album. I'm going to change my mind the next time I listen to everything. But talk about that song. Well. You notice I didn't ask you, where did the idea come from? Oh, no, Kim, that's boring. Kim, Kim but, came up with the, with the High Paradise phrase. And, 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 and gave me okay. a couple of lines, and then I fleshed it all out. But Yeah. As, I'm, as we wrote it, I kind of came up with a meaning. The song started having a little meaning to me. So now I know what I was intending to say. Yeah. But it didn't start that way at all. It evolved as we wrote it. How often is it an evolution process, and Almost. how often is it that lightning from heaven? Well, very rarely is that lightning ideas. from heaven, but usually it's an evolution. I have to work hard. Sometimes, a few times in my life, a song just came to me, bang, like that. Well, there's the lightning from heaven. Yeah. But that's not, that's not the usual. Sometimes I dream it. Oh. I wake up and there it is. Isn't that that's wonderful? A, do you have a home studio? Not really, no. Okay. Well, do you have the opportunity to, if you wanted to, you could wake up from that dream and go somewhere in your house and get it record, get a get a little yeah. framework recorder. Yeah. You can do. I just yeah. write down the words and I figure it out later. Oh I gosh! Look, I look See, for, I I can't I, I can't do that. I lose I'll lose it if if I if I don't. If Nail I don't get right over away, there in that yeah. little corner over there in my recording section, I'm, I'm going to lose it. But it changes, you know. I can write something. That song that was close to a Grammy, yeah. right? I wrote it, and I put it to this like kind of funky beat and everything like that. And yeah. Ellen liked the song from the beginning. Then when she heard what I did, she said, what'd you do to my song? <laughs> so I wrote other words for that, and I just did it simple in the studio because we it was too late. Yeah. All the musicians had dissipated, you know. And uh, we couldn't get, we didn't have time to bring the drums in and everything like that. Yeah. We just did it like a little acoustic thing. It's, it sounds like you share your um, your songs in the writing process that you share them with Ellen. Oh yeah, you do that, huh? She's my uh, go-to critic. Yeah, 
she's got very good taste and she's got she's a good musician too she won't admit it but she plays the bass she has great timing really and tone timing and tone is like oh that's everything uh, on the bass absolutely and not everyone has it so she's got that well good for you ellen it's um no I, i ask about how you know how you share your your songs with with her before they're finished i can't do that with snoopy uh well, it's not it's not like constant you know like when i get something close and i like it i play it for her and she doesn't know that i'll do yeah, yeah she doesn't always comment on it right away you know yeah but is she is she a musician or is she just good at playing the bass has she, she been she in plays bands guitar. She play, no no she's not a, not a musician like that but she's very musical she sings she plays guitar she plays saxophone to a certain extent wow how about that she Could you imagine having her in as a, I well, don't know, a collaborator, background I was vocalist? Just, I was just reminded of something the other day. I had a, a gig with uh, one of my the bands I play with, and I couldn't make it. Yeah. And it was two or three gigs, I forget, she played the bass. Really? She sat down and woodshedded all the songs. How cool is and that? went out and played the bass, and, they, and she was good. Now, Snoopy is not a musician at all. She's a beautiful person. You're going to meet her afterwards. She's beautiful, and she has her thing that she does, but she is not musical at all. And I tell her that she should hope that, and I love her dearly, but I say this, that she should hope that they don't invent a time machine because if I can go back to 1974 and hook up with Joni Mitchell, <laughs> I'm going to, <laughs> the only thing missing with Snoopy is that thing of, of her being um, musical so that she and I can sit down and sing and play the guitar together. Yeah, there's, so. there's other things in life. So it, Just well, music, man. Well, Lucky for her, there's no time machines. So, Joni Mitchell. Remember from that album Blue that Joni Mitchell did? Oh, man, it's just golden. I, 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 that's got to be in my top five albums of all time. Yeah. Top five albums of all time. I've listened to it a thousand times. Just pure poetry. Every single song. There's no throwaway song on that. That's an album, and I'm not ashamed to say it. There's some songs on there when they come on. Yeah, tears yeah. I know tears will come you know it puts me right back in that time yeah yeah i wasn't around oh well, i was around i was just a kid back in those times but that album and those songs take me back to that time when i first started discovering Joni's music and stuff and that's what music does it takes us places yeah. you know good music people are going to say that about you about this album well you flatter me well it's for the ratings it's for the ratings for the show okay (laughs) listen we have to take another break i'm overdue for a break here but see that's what happens with good conversation uh we'll be right back with bill i got plenty of those (laughs) and we're back everybody joking with bill troiani you know he's a musician maybe he needs a tire career in uh in stand-up comedy he's (laughs) giving me some good one-liners here but that's that new york thing and a youngman that's yeah how about that okay listen You've been doing this music thing. You want to tell people how old you are? I'm 72. 72 years old. And you've just done an album that is fresher, more exciting, more dynamic than anything you've ever done before. From my humble my humble opinion. I think the interviews, we have, we have enough now. You can turn off the recording. <laughs> how, do, how does that make you feel? I mean, this is genuine feedback, and I'm sure you've heard similar feedback from other people who have heard the album. Very, you have your single. You have your single out. Your single called uh, "High Paradise." So you're getting feedback already. What's that doing to you? Well, I don't get that much. Some people people say they like it, but I'm apprehensive about the whole album because it's so different. It is it's different. Such a departure yeah. from everything I've ever done. I'm. Uh, but isn't that kind of fun though? Isn't that kind of exciting? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I, 72, you think, I don't really care, you know. It's going to be Yeah, but you there. do. Come on now. I know I care, but you I mean. You do. I'm, 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 we're, I'm proud of what we did, you know, yeah. but I listen to it and I hear, it's always, you know, you listen to your stuff and you hear the things you would have changed. It's sure, too late to change. sure, sure. You know, like Hawkins, my friend Hawkins Hoyt in the band, he says, you never finish an album, you just stop working on it. But do, do you differentiate between the, 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 the lyrics and the music? Because when I write oh, no. my lyrics, sometimes, uh, in fact, most often there are zero edits. I write what I write and yeah. there it is. And I love it. I'm very satisfied with it. But that music thing is what I am never satisfied with. Well, but There's always a different note I could have played. There's always, yeah. oh, I hear a little mistake on the guitar. Yeah. and. But they go hand in hand, you know, like you get to a minor chord and I get to that poignant point in the lyrics, you know. Well, yeah, you know, and and that's the craft of songwriting, making the the lyrics match uh, those musical movements. But uh, but but do you differentiate when it comes to, um, you know, uh, how often are you totally satisfied with your lyrics? You're probably never never satisfied. Really, never, never with that. Not yet. I'm I'm very self-critical. And I think that's good. You don't want to, you know, I don't want to ever sit back and say, oh, I I have it now. You know, I've done in, in that creative process, are you more satisfied with your abilities in songwriting or are you more satisfied with your abilities in the musical aspect? Those are tough questions, right? Hey, you know, uh, I like watching you sweat. <laughs> That's what you get when you see this guy was effing with me when we first started with his New York humor and stuff. So now there's a payback. I want to make him sweat a little bit. <laughs> uh, let me say that. Because uh, to me, it's a very distinct, it's, it's you know, songwriting is a process, but within that process are two, two distinctly things, different yeah. processes. And that is the songwriting and the music writing. For me, oh. the, I'm sorry, the lyric writing and the, and the music writing. And for me, the lyric writing is easy as pie i mean that's oh that's the hardest part for oh me. gosh to me that's the easiest and i because i every word is important you know and, and true yeah. and uh, i i listen to guys like bob dylan who take a uh what do you call it, an utrick in america like a saying a phrase yeah that everyone knows for sure yeah to catch a cold yeah you know like shakespeare came up with it you know that no i didn't yeah he said it first uh it's just things <laughs> like that and, and so he'll turn them around right right make it a little more interesting yeah and i always look for words that rhyme in a like a consonant way or yes. you know, the yep. first syllable rhymes, you know, stuff. I try to get to, I don't want to do moon, June, spoon. I'll never do that, you know. So uh, I try and find, and some people say it doesn't rhyme, but it does rhyme. It, or if it doesn't rhyme, to me, it, rhyme, it, 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 it passes over in a smooth yes. way. Yeah, to, to me, rhyming is, you know, you can be a basic songwriter and do the June, spoon, moon type of thing. Or you can do, and I actually, and I see this a lot in older music, mm. uh, where you have that rhyming that doesn't necessarily rhyme in the traditional sense. But yes, the it American has a flow. Standards. But it has a flow, and rhyming has to be a flow. There has to be a flow to it, in order for it to be good. I mean, in songwriting. That, what's that, that girl who's been very popular? Um, she, her nothing rhymes. She writes these songs. Is that, um, I can't remember her name. Uh, I can't remember her name because yeah. I'm so bad at this stuff. I barely <laughs> listen to the radio, but my friend Kim asked me once to write a song in her style. Yeah. So I listened to her music. There was no rhymes at all. It's a one one name woman with always with a black dress. She lost a lot of weight the last couple of years. I forget. Oh, Adele. Adele, thank Adele. you very much. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> yeah, Adele. Yes, yeah, so I, I listened to some of her songs and I, and I my gosh, it didn't rhyme at all. She it didn't matter. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm trying to pull up some of her songs. 
I recognize her talent, but I wouldn't say I'm an Adele fan. But yes, pulling up what I can remember of her songs, yeah, there's very little rhyming, and yet the lyrics work. It tells a story, and there's a feeling that evolves from it. It has that flow. Yeah. See, I never listened to the popular radio because it's... I think I'm finished. That's why I started my radio station, because modern radio just doesn't do it for me, and I think it's not doing it for a lot of other people. Uh, there's no personality to it. You, if you, if you turn on a radio station now, at two o'clock in the afternoon, and then you come back at uh, six o'clock in the afternoon, yeah, it's the same thing. songs in the same order. There is. This, this is why I fell in love with radio, uh, because I feel that when it's done correctly, it's another form of artistic expression. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When I would sit down, I had a two-hour program on a on a local um, or a regional FM station here in Norway. And when I would sit down and work out that playlist and actually put thought and feeling and, act, and, and feel emotions yeah. based upon the songs that I played and then my commentary in between songs, there is feeling and meaning between that. And I don't see, I'm not hearing that in radio stations these days. So that's why I start my own. I want to put that back. I want to put that and make it available to people who miss the emotion, the art of radio. Because I think it's... I think it's missing today. Yes, there's so much good music out there and so many different styles. I mean, you could you could play Uncle Dave Macon and then bring in yeah, Frank Sinatra. Who, exactly. And now from it's the capital was, years, which are the only things that count with Frank Sinatra. Take that to And now it's now it's uh well, you know, and now it's this corporate thing where you pay yeah, yeah. to be heard. And I don't want people to have to pay to remember be what heard. Happened, remember what happened to Alan Freed? Payola scandal in the fifties. Oh see now that you don't know about that. No. Oh, he was one of the greatest DJs. He, I think he came out from Ohio. Okay. He came Cle to New York. Cleveland, of course. Yes, yeah. he yeah. came out of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he got, a, he got uh, brought down by yep. the payola scandal where yep. they were taking money from the record distributors to play certain records. Yeah. And and that's happening today. But now it's but legal. But now it's legal. Yeah. Like and there's something like, wrong with like that. Like Citizens United. Because that, exactly, say it again, Citizens, Citizens United. United. But that, that system is not what people want to hear. That's what people in the corporate sphere want to get paid for. And that's a totally and different thing. There's no always, art in that. People don't always know what they want to hear until they hear it. Well, that's what the corporate, the, the, the suits and ties are, are counting on. Yeah, yeah. That they're going to just tell people what they want to hear. All the great music from the past, you know. Well, it, it would be different if the rulers of the music world, the rulers of the radio world, it would be different if they were musicians themselves, but they're not. They're lawyers. What does a lawyer, I mean, a lawyer make? A lawyer can be a great musician with a good ear, but what their job is is to make money for themselves and others. And there's no place for that in the art of music. My friend Kim gave me a book to read, What do you, what They Don't Want You to Know About the Music Business. <laughs> is it true? Is it stuff yeah. you didn't want to know? <laughs> no, I know. It's stuff I, know, I wanted to know, but it's <laughs> what they don't want you to know. I think Actually, I think <laughs> I read that. I bet you if you look close enough, you'd find that on yeah. my bookshelf. I think I read that before. Yeah. It's important stuff. Well, it's um, and that's almost an oxymoron in the music industry. Well, but I, I think people are finding their way around it. You know, I'm not sure how much. Well, they, they almost did. Remember, all the independent bands came up the last well, ten years. You well, know, yeah. And you look at what I'm doing. I don't need. I don't need. I can make my music anytime I want. I can distribute it anytime I want. You can do the same. Take the money out of the music industry. Huh? <laughs> take like take the money out of politics. Take the money. Take out the of money out of the music industry. Well, well, don't take it out, but move <laughs> it to the artist. You know, if if you do the work, if you create the art, you should have 
the uh, majority of the benefits of that. But as it stands today, that's not the case. It's I the refuse record companies. to uh, subscribe to Spotify. Do you? I I I grind my teeth every time I post a new uh, podcast episode because my podcast is distributed on Spotify. But I'm very much aware of how unfair it is, both to podcasters, but especially to musicians. It's extremely unfair. All of the work, and, and I have, I have uh, uh, my four singles are available on Spotify as well. I'll never see a I'm dime. Sure, I'm that sure money. my music's on there too. Yeah, yeah, but and we'll never see a dime. For, or, or well, we we may see a dime. A dime. Yeah. It's like <laughs> the, there's a joke, you know, like a guitar player comes running in and he goes, "We just made." Five million hits on Spotify, and they go, "That's great." What are we gonna do? He says, "Well, we got to figure out how to how to split nineteen dollars between three people." <laughs> it's you know, and and that is the reality of it. You know, we're making a joke about it, but that is the reality of it. So, if you didn't know, now you know. Uh, these these musicians, these artists who have sometimes millions, sometimes tens of millions of downloads or listens on Spotify, iTunes, and whatnot, they're not making the money. And you can count. I'm sure you can count my hits in the hundreds. Yeah. that much yeah sad it shouldn't be that way but, but you we know, do we, we, I, I gotta say we brought it on ourselves i know when i was uh when i back when the when uh i joined some uh, wedding band and i had to go um learn all the songs so yeah. i couldn't afford to buy all the all the all the albums or the mm. tapes so they sent me to a guy who under the table sold me a cassette ah. of all the songs because that was completely illegal and I had I had no compunction about downloading songs off the radio and recording them yeah. for myself, you know. So we did. Remember Napster? That started Napster. The whole thing. That's when it all started. That's yeah. when, yeah. You know, so. you know, well, you know, I I grew up with my uh, uh, you know tape recorder uh, and recording straight from the radio, but that was for myself. I wasn't making any money off of it. Uh, and sure. then here comes Napster, and then people found out how to effectively monetize that, and that was the beginning of the downfall for uh, for people who create art. No one buys CDs anymore. No. We you going to print up any for promo purposes? We print up CDs, we print up LPs, and uh, but basically, like uh, sometimes we just give them away. I got to look at the, you. You handed me an album and a couple of CDs. Yeah. I didn't even really look at it. Yeah, I had to do an LP from the last CD, the fourth CD we put out. Okay. And then a couple of CDs from friends I work with. Okay. And I write songs with, and I'm in their band. And in the other band, I have the Bills with Bill Booth. Who'd you have the most fun with among Norwegian artists that you've worked with? Wow. I've worked with a lot of them. Uh, hmm. Maybe not the most fun, but just someone who sticks out in your mind. Well, you got it. <laughs> I'm 72 years old. My memory ain't what it used to be. But, you know, I have... have there's a thing called aphantasia. Have you heard of that? Yes. Yeah, I have that. Okay. I can't close my eyes and see something like most people can. I always, that's, oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't even know that. I take it thing. for granted that, because that's what I do. I I'll, took it for granted that no I'll one did. I close my eyes and think it through, find the picture, and then talk. Yeah. I thought no one could do that. It never yeah. occurred to me. My daughters were talking about it a few months ago, and they told me about it. I didn't believe them. I thought they were pulling my leg. So huh. they showed me a video about it and everything. Yeah. Wow. But it also affects your uh, your memory of personal things. And faces. I have trouble with faces. If I haven't seen someone in a long time and they and they come out and say, Hi Bill, I I was in the elevator in Bergen at some blues <laughs> festival and uh, a really good friend of mine, Arthur Nielsen, plays with Shimika Copeland. He's also a bass player. He took over a lot of my gigs when I left mm -hmm. New York. Comes walking at the elevator, he goes, Hi Bill, I had no idea who it was. <laughs> and I did the thing I always do, like, Oh yeah, hi. 
You know, like the tendons. You know what saves me in those situations? You tell your wife to introduce herself. There you go. Or, I, or I'll just say, uh, I'll say, yeah, this is my this is my wife. And she goes, and what's then, your name? Exactly. I know and that trick. She'll say, these women, man, they, they, they prop us up in so many ways. <laughs> Richard Nixon used to have a guy walking around behind him with a little book. I heard about that, yeah. yeah this just, guy's name is this, his wife, his kids, yep. and they go up there, hi, how's your wife, blah, 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 how's your yep. kid? And the guy would go, oh, my God, Nixon remembers <laughs> everything. <laughs> I never thought I'd get inspiration for Richard Nixon, but uh, there we go. I got to get somebody to follow me with a notebook. And how about the Roman uh, heroes when they go through the triumphal procession, they have a guy standing behind with a slave yes. whispering, yeah. going to die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... No, no, no one name comes to mind. No uh, one person comes to mind. I mean, I've worked with uh, Vidar Busk a lot. Uh, I worked a little bit with uh, Reisrud. Can you try so to a lot of, I sub with a lot of Norwegian bands. I just, this week, last week, I played this guy named Fred. He called himself Fat Fred. Not anymore, but he's quite an artist. He jumps around. He really gets people going. <laughs> I mean, and there's so many guitar players I know. I, there's some great musicians in this country, especially guitar players. For some Absolutely. I'm in Morud. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on Knut, uh, Knut Reisrud. Yeah. I, I saw him. Uh, this I'm talking like literally weeks after I moved here to Norway in 2002. I saw him on some NRK program, and he was playing an acoustic guitar. Was it a 12 string maybe? And he was playing this beautiful, technically difficult uh, folk music. He wasn't singing. He was just playing. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is one of the best acoustic guitar presentations I've ever seen fast forward to just a few weeks after that. And he was on another program, just playing this killer lightning blues. That guy is quite the prolific guitarist right there. He's one of the most versatile guitarists in Norway. And kid Anderson, who uh, who was down in California, he was in the house band for a while. And he really, really, I've known him a long, long time. He can play anything. It's amazing. And he can, and he, Years ago, I was, I've told people the story. Years ago, my mother died. I was here. And I was, they used to have a classical music station in Oslo. And I yeah. turned it on. This beautiful melody came out. It made me cry, you know? Yeah. And next time I saw him, I, I hummed the melody to him. And the next day, he shows up with it. He hands me a CD. Ah. It was Haydn. He says his track number four. I went, wow. Yes. Wow. You know? And he always, like, we're talking. He says, yeah. Before he plays something, he thinks about. He knows what he's going to play before he plays it. Yeah. He's already worked it out. Right? Well, there's some of those people who just have that in in them. Uh, one person who comes to mind for me is Lasse Hofreger. You're friends with him on social media. Lasse Hofreger, uh, pr- prior keyboardist for Hellbillies. Oh yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, I, I just spoke to Lasse yesterday. He's on his way to Italy. He and his lady are taking a drive and trip to Italy. Nice. Lasse is, uh, and I met him when he came into uh, the Remy Brothers Band. I love those guys. Kato Christensen, backup vocalist and drummer for Jonas Fjeld. Kato's the lead vocalist in the Remy Brothers Band. My good friend and brother Henning Remy, if you're watching Henning, I love you. haven't seen you in a while, but I still love you. Uh, And then Lasse came into that band a couple years after they started and just lifted this band that was already good playing blues rock like 70s blues rock. yeah i'm familiar with them yeah. saying you are okay yeah, of course yeah well i've, I've written oh most, really most of the I'll lyrics have to look again on their first album all the lyrics are mine right. on the second album i think there's 11 songs and six of them i'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it up i'm gonna make some notes i'll send them to you <laughs> 
<laughs> do that. Do that. I'm back in school. No, no, no. <laughs> no, but I but but when Lhasa joined that band, he took a band it uh, the band that was already good and lifted it up to a whole new level. That man has music in his very soul. He's one so he's one of those people who can do things like that. He yeah. just there's no thought process really. It's just in him and he sits at the keyboard or he picks up the guitar or he'll come with suggestions for harmony and uh, vocals and it's just it's golden from the get-go. Doesn't meet, have to work on it. I meet people like that I get really annoyed with myself. <laughs> well, I tell you it's a humbling experience and it's it's when I when I get to sit next to Lhasa like I have for hours through the mixing process, through the writing process. I'm writing an album uh, with him and another artist. It's going to be like a trio. Uh, this is kind of a half secret, but when it comes out, believe me, I'm going to promote the heck out of okay. it because I'm so proud of it, uh, especially to work that close with Lhasa. But Lhasa's been my friend for 15 years, and uh, it's it's inspiring. Yes, it's frustrating. How does he do that? I, but yeah. But it inspires me to go back and keep working on what I'm doing. You know, I'm 53 years old, and I'm far from the musician I that I plan on being. I thought you were like 30 or something. Well, you know, that whole thing about black not cracking and all that stuff. Black don't, it's, it's true. Black doesn't crack. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> you knew that, though. Oh, yeah. I never smoked a cigarette in my life, so I think that has a lot to do with how your face ends up. I think so. You don't look 70-something. Two. Two. You don't look 72. And My mother's turning 73 in a couple of days. Oh, I could be your father. So, Dad. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Wouldn't that be some shit if we did a gene test and all of a sudden. Oh, man. <laughs> this happens in my family. Oh, boy. No, it's um, people like Lhasa, people who have that. Uh, and I'm fortunate. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying I suck, but. More often than not, I'm working with musicians who are much better at it than I am. That's how you get good. So it's, well, it's a constant learning yeah, process. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think I've got the lyrics thing pretty much down. I'm it's that to, music side. I haven't really heard any of your lyrics, so I'm going to have to go home and check out. Uh, I'll check, check out, out the Ramey Brothers yeah, first. do now. that. And I'll, I'll send you my four singles, which oh, is yeah. a totally different Great. music genre. I heard your stuff, and I remember I said, I recommended to you. That's right, yeah. Just try and make them into a country song. That's right, you did, yeah. And then uh, I'll have to send you uh, Einstein uh, Remy's solo album, uh, country album. I wrote uh, country. Right. Yeah. I got to meet uh, Elliot Mazer, Neil Young's producer. Uh, Harvest. Yeah, yeah. Produced Neil Young's Harvest, produced Janis Joplin. Uh, um, I think he went on to produce a Kiss record also. Really? I just, uh, I just Linda Ronstadt. I, I got to... I got to sit next to Elliot. Ro I got to sit alone with Elliot Ro or Elliot Mazur. I wouldn't even know who he was. Oh my God! I, I well, I've been a Neil Young fan. I mean, I can remember being like two, three years old and hearing my father playing after the Gold Rush with that French horn. Yeah. Uh, so I've been a Neil Young fan since back then, and I remember looking on the back of the albums and just loving yeah, yeah. to read it. And produced by Elliot Mazur. So that name has been in my head since mm. I was, you know, pre-kindergarten, and then. What we did was after after we put out uh, the first uh, uh, release of Einstein's country album. Since then, we did a a, um, a remix. I'm sorry, a remaster, and put it out again. But that first mix, when we put it out, we sent it to yeah. Elliot. To Elliot, just just Why is, what's his name? Elliot Elliot Mazer. Check him out. M a z m a z u r u r. Okay, check him out. I've seen that name. Yeah, oh, you definitely have. Absolutely. Uh, Quadraphonic Studios in Nashville. That's his uh, 
yeah, check him out. But anyway, I go back to I go back to Bradley's Quasit Hudgens yeah. in Nashville. <laughs> there you and go. That's what yeah. I think of. Yeah, no, but to to actually th- this guy who was a hero, and this, and this is the power of music, and this is what music has done for me, is put me in situations like that to sit for two hours alone in a car driving through the Norwegian countryside with Elliot Mazer. Why is that? Why is that happening? You know, but it wouldn't happen if it wasn't for music. So those are the kind of thoughts, experiences I'm trying to pull out of you, but you and your 72 year old mind can't. But I, I don't have anything like that. I've mostly, everything for me is localized, you know, like yeah. the people I'm with and stuff like that. I yeah. can go through the, all the bands I've been in, what I can remember. Yeah. But you've been, you know, you, you've, uh, you break musical bread with some well-known uh, Norwegian artists. Yeah. It's impressive. You have an I've impressive fired, career. I've been fired from some of the best bands in this country. <laughs> and proud of it. <laughs> no, but you have quite the storied career. You have quite the, 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 the dynamic. Uh, well, I just met, I just went to see a Kiss show for the first time in June. Ah, how and was it? You, oh, you, know, you don't know the story? No. Okay. My first band when I was a kid was called the Post-War Baby Boom Blues Band, or Post-War Baby Boom Band, right? Because we were all from Post-War Baby Boom. Yeah. I was born in 1949. And uh, uh, we had a guitar player, a guy named Stanley Eisen. And when the band broke up, he went off and formed Kiss. He's Paul Stanley. That's right. With the, with the star. Design. With the star. And uh, last February, he called me out of the blue. Paul Stanley called you out of the yeah, blue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was laying down, I was sleeping, wow. and he called me, and we were talking. It's, it's like we were... Back in the basement rehearsing, it's like, you know. Yeah. And then he t- he told me he's doing a final tour. They're going to be in Yetteberg, Gothenburg, and uh, I said I'd like to come down there. <laughs> he said, Yeah. And I said, uh, You know, I work with these guitar players. They're all tremendous Kiss fans. I I didn't tell him I had never really heard any of his music. <laughs> no, you, you don't know? say that when you're no, talking no. to Paul Stanley. No. I mean, I had I had learned a couple of songs a couple of years ago for a party and whatever, but. Uh, we, we went down there, and he said, bring him along. So me, the three guitar players, and, my, and Alan went down to the Kiss show, watched the whole show, went backstage, <laughs> talked to Paul. He was he was so nice, so gracious. Was, wow, how cool is and that? And I got, I got a, we got photos, you know. How cool is that? 55, 60 years, 55 years since we've wow. seen each other. Wow. They always spoken to each other. Now, there's a heck of a story right there with that band. Everything they've been through, everything they've accomplished... Yeah, I didn't know any um, the of the genius shows. of their branding. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know much about so the, the three, my friend Kim, Joachim, and Hawking were the guitar players. Yeah, and uh, they were telling me all the stories. Yeah, like the first four years and first four albums, I didn't make any money at all. Right, right. I didn't know that. No, it's a kiss. That takes me right back to my uh, upbringing out there in the cornfields of Norton, Ohio. Everybody was in the Kiss back yeah. then. I think it's, it's pretty cool. Also, uh, Kiss uh, Gene Simmons is the one responsible for giving Van Halen their first shot, I and I that. love Van Halen. That's one of my favorite bands, and uh, they probably wouldn't have been the band they were without get, having uh, been Gene given Simmons. a shot by Gene Simmons from Kiss. Interesting. Let's take a quick break, and then I have a couple questions for you. I'm going to put you to work. I'm going to ask you some questions and make you work a little. Great. We'll be right back, people. And we're back, everybody. Speaking a little Norwegian with uh, Bill Troiani in the break here. Ekesant. Ekesant. Listen, Bill. Yeah. What do you want people, you know, any artist who puts out their art, I think there is an element of selfishness in it. We're doing it to please ourselves to a certain degree. 
but we also hope that it has an effect on the world that observes our art, that takes course, in our yes. art. What do you want people to take in with this latest album? Well, you, well, you just said it yourself. When I'm writing, making songs, I try and do the best I can for my taste. Yeah. You know, I want it to, I want it to represent the best I can do. And then I hope that someone like, likes it. Yeah. That's all. It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> There's no hocus pocus to it. And I'm not trying to change people's minds or anything. No, but that would be a political speech. I have some political song. There's a very political song on the new album. Yeah. So what's the purpose then of putting a political song on an satire. album? Satire. Not to change anyone's mind, but satire for the sake of satire. It's funny. Yeah. I think it's funny. But so far, <laughs> a few, not that many people have picked up what that song's about. You I probably will. I think I'm going to I'm gonna go back and listen again, and then I'm going to try and start some trouble on social media. We'll see what I kind just, of trouble uh, I can get you in. Just remember when the, the <laughs> pandemic was really taken off, and someone said to Trump, 200,000 people have died from COVID. And what did Trump say? It is what it is. It is what it is. I'll never forget that. That's the title of the song. Of all things for a president to say. Uh, we don't want to go back on it. Yeah. But I will. I'll uh, start crying. Oh, God. Oof. We'll be hugging each other and crying. <laughs> Switch out the, the coffee to whiskey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so you're looking to, pl to pl not to please yourself, but to fulfill. To do the best I can. Yeah, to do the best you can. And then after that, come with me. You hope people love it. You want them to. But you've kind of, it's kind of mission accomplished by the time you release it. Am I right? Uh, yes and no. I mean, uh, yes, yes. But I mean, uh, the first CD we made in Norway, under my name, uh, we got the first review we got was uh, this this kind of, this kind of music needs a very special band and a very special singer. Unfortunately, they have neither. That's the first <laughs> review. My heart sank like, like a rock. Thank you. Yeah. But it, it, they got better after that. But it's you you're putting your it's like standing naked in front of the audience. Yeah. You know, you're putting yourself out there yeah. and uh, very much. You don't so. want to look ridiculous. No. But there's a certain amount of self-assuredness. I mean, you can't be that insecure when you've put your work out there for people to hear. Hmm. So you're standing out there naked, but you there's a part of you, at least a part of you, that's okay with that nakedness because you put it out. We're just, let's just say we're different people. <laughs> <laughs> picture me naked, picture no, no, naked. No, no, no? No? Oh, that's a different... That's whole, not what I meant. It's a whole different conversation. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let me ask you this: as we as we come close to the end uh, of uh, of this wonderful conversation, we were saying in the break that it seems like we've only been talking a few yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're going to come back. I, I hope. I'm I, I you're always welcome here. Now you know where I live. We don't even have to do a show if you're ever in the area, man. Come oh. on in, and coffee's always warm here. Um, and vice versa. Yeah. Thank you. I don't I don't know where you live though. I stay mostly at Ellen's house, which is out in. Uh, Rotley Colon, right past Rian Cross. Okay, yeah. Out in the sticks. No, it's not really. <laughs> not really, really, no. It's near Jacobs. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, let me ask you this. Um, some things get edited, some things stay in. Um, let me ask you, where can people go to stay in touch with you and Mostly get information about what you're doing? You have a website? It's all on Facebook these days. We have a website, but Facebook is in the Billy T. Band. The Billy T There's Band. There's a whole page there, and I work with the, my friend Bill Booth in a band called The Bills, another original name. <laughs> but uh, we just put a record out. Yeah. 
or right, or not just, we did it right before the pandemic hit, you know, it seems like yesterday because we haven't had a chance to promote it or anything. Yeah. But I tell you, that, that, that's also on Facebook. That COVID shutdown just ruined a lot when it came to promoting the work that was done immediately before. A lot of people just had bad timing. Yeah. Ah. But people can keep up with you on uh, Facebook, uh, the Billy T Band. Yeah. Um, the Bills. The Bills. The Buffalo Bills? No. Oh. Wrong side of the three dollar bills. Wrong, the three dollar bills. Now that's a good name for a band. The three dollar bills. Remember when they had two dollar bills? Yes. Oh, yeah, two yes, I do. Maybe. No, I do yeah. remember that. Yeah, I do remember that. My grandmother gave me one once. Yeah. Kept that thing for years. Yeah, I, I may still have it actually. Um, I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things now. I'm gonna, okay. I'm, I'm going to put you to work. Uh, the first one is real easy, I think but everyone else struggles with it, okay? I'm going to say three words, and I want you to complete the sentence. Now, if that sentence turns into a paragraph, so okay. be it. But let's just see what happens. Holler games. Okay, three three words. Yeah. Bill Turiani is? A bass player, a father, a uh, rock contour. Did I say that right? You sure did. Uh, I don't know. A person. An old person. 72. 72, baby. <laughs> you know, everyone still feels like they're 20 in their minds, you know? I think so. Uh, we're having a class reunion for my, my high school class here in a couple of days. And there's so many comments. In Norway? No, no, back home oh, in, yeah. in, in the States. Uh, <clears throat> and there's, there's so many comments uh, in, the group, in, in the group page on, on, on Facebook where people are just kind of, oh, my gosh, we're, we're 53. Oh, God, it's been so. I just, I don't feel that. I mean, I'm 53. They tell me I am. I don't know. I don't remember when I was born. Okay. They say I'm 53, but what does that mean? I, uh, I, I feel pretty doggone good. I feel very good. I feel good, too. I'm in the best creative moment in my yeah, in my too. life. Me, too. You as well, and you're 72. What is this thing with age? Yeah. What is this What is this thing with... Uh, We're not going to live forever. No. With that, you know, looming over our heads. You know, but... Uh, hmm. I mean, I work with, I'm working with most of these guys who are like sometimes half my age. Yeah. You know, they're in their 40s or maybe 50s. And uh, keeps me on my toes. I find and I, when I'm talking to them, I don't feel like I'm 72 years old. I also, I remember being, I, re, I can remember what I realized that getting older doesn't necessarily bring wisdom. That's true. You know, you don't get, you don't necessarily get wiser as you get older. You have to work at that. You have yeah. to pay attention. Yeah. You have to keep engaged in what's going on that's right politics you know love well i can say something about that on the other end as a younger guy uh i'm seeing that over the last five years or so i've been getting more and more friends who are your age Mm. and i'm trying to figure out i've been thinking actually putting some thought into that why is that before i used to be friends with and the people i met were my age or slightly younger and now, all of a sudden, I've jumped up 15, 20 years. You know, there's people like you. Uh, Lasse Hofferger is 65, 6, 7, something like that. Uh, my friend Einstein is coming up close to 70. Mm. Einstein Remy. You know, I had to get my booster shot a couple weeks ago. And I went in, and I was looking around. I'm surrounded by old people. Yeah. You know, but I, then I realized it. I, I don't even, I, I'll meet someone's father or someone's grandfather, and they may yeah. be younger than me, but I still feel I have to show respect, you know, like a, like right. a, like a yeah. 
you know, like a younger person would. You know? But see, I think that that's a testament to you not being confined by those numbers, that seven and two that says you're 72. A lot of people take those numbers and they use it to confine them. They use it almost as an excuse to stop developing. I've been, lately I've been using it as an excuse to not have to pick up the amplifiers. <laughs> I love it. You know what I mean? <laughs> And, and, yeah. and my friends, these guys have worked with me. Well, let me get that for you. you know? Just the other day, I, I finished a gig and I had to carry my amplifier to the garage. And yeah. This guy named, or, or I can't pronounce it right, Orjan, a really nice guy. Drummer. Yeah, a really nice guy, drummer. He carried it down to the, to the car for me. I love it. I didn't say no. I love it. I got to stop working out before I can use that as an excuse. I can't <laughs> carry. Uh, uh, let me, okay, moving along. <clears throat> One more thing uh, I would like to ask of you. Uh, now I'm going to get a little mushy on you, but this is the truth. Okay. Uh, I invite people on my program because I think that I can learn something from them. I invite people who interest me, people who make me curious, uh, people who, uh, have done works that I respect and I want to know more about the person. So you fit all of those things. That's why you're here. Uh, you're one of many people that I've been fortunate enough to be in this position where I can ask them to be on my program. Uh, so many of those people go on to not just be a former guest, but they go on to be friends, people who I can call up on the phone and just say, Hey, how's it going? Touch base with them. Uh, that's you. you know? I hope so. Oh, absolutely, man. I, and, and I, I'm, I'm humbled that you, that you came here. Uh, okay. So you inspire me, you motivate me. Is there something you can say into this microphone right now that my viewers and listeners can take with them for inspiration, motivation as they're moving through this thing we call life. Now you could just hand me a straight line, you know. I would say. I forgot you. I would me. say, if you, if you start drinking whiskey, stick with the whiskey. Don't mix your drinks, people. <laughs> Norway, that's like because it's so expensive, you know. Never, okay, what would I say? I have no idea. I mean, I was humbled that you asked me to come here to be interviewed. You know, it doesn't happen every day. Maybe not, but um, I think that the more people who learn about, uh, not just the more people who learn about your current uh, okay. album that's coming out, but, but people who learn about your career, what you've gone through. I, I to would get say, here, that's going to be. I would say it's, it's important to admit when you're wrong. It's important wow. to admit when you make a mistake. Don't keep going around like pretending it didn't happen or, or try and cover yourself up, you know? It's important. It's important with your kids. When the kids are growing up, if you make a mistake, if you get angry and you shouldn't have, you tell them, you know. Yeah. It's important with your musician friends, you know. Oh, yeah, okay, I see what you mean. Take criticism. I knew, I met a guy one time. I was working with Larry Gatlin, the guy from the Gatlin Brothers, doing a six-week thing with a play in uh, Pittsburgh. Mm. And the piano player was this, this really nice, soft-spoken guy. I don't, I don't know, southern, southern gentleman, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and I was... I was very excited at one point, and I was telling him, we can do this, and we, maybe we should do this, and this section of that. And he listened to me, he listened to me very mm. intently, and he took it all in. And then slowly and very quietly showed me exactly where I was wrong. Aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> in such a way that I didn't even realize he was doing it. You know, he was yeah. beautiful. But you so, have to be able to take criticism. You have to know when you make a mistake, if you're wrong, and admit it. If you're bullheaded and you refuse to acknowledge your mistakes, well, you're losing out on a lot yeah. of learning and a lot of personal development. And friendships. Am I right? Yeah. And friendships, yeah. Friendships can be lost. Ugh. 
That's a positive note, though. Let's not. I don't want people to take that as something. No, no. That's, I mean, that's a very positive note. That's, uh, you, that's how you learn. Absolutely. You learn from your mistakes. It's a, it's fundamental. It's elementary. And that learning thing is what we're all about on this uh, program. I learn something from everybody that I have sit on that sofa and speak into that microphone. Uh, Bill, thank you for coming in here. Uh, as I stretch for a handshake. Thank you, John. Um, I call you friend. Please. I call you brother. Please. Uh, I'm looking forward to this album release. Tell people when is the release and where is the release party? Uh, we're going to do the 23rd of September at uh, Hare Nielsen in Oslo. Great uh, venue, by yeah, the way. Yeah, very nice. Nice people. Nice sound. Good sound men, which is very important. And, what time? Uh, uh, I don't know. It's probably 8 or 9 o'clock. It's for something with, for the Content Blues Club. How long are you guys going to keep things running? Are you, is, is there a time limit? Are you guys going to oh, just keep on partying until oh, we drop? Till you drop. How do people, can people buy tickets? Is there uh, You can probably buy tickets. The people who helped with a Kickstarter campaign get in for free. Okay. They're all on the guest list. And uh, if you come, you would be on the guest list too. Put me on that guest list, and uh, if you would, please. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure there's only tickets. Uh, you I, probably have, um, I don't know if it's you who runs your, your Facebook page personally, but if you have somebody run that page, they probably have put some sort of yeah, event yeah, up yeah, there. Yeah. So go to, to uh, Billy, Billy T. T Band on Facebook, everybody, and it'll probably be somewhere at the top of the page. You'll see, uh, yeah. I'm just assuming that yeah, some... Sure. Yeah, I'm Hawk, sure. does that to guitar player. Okay, yeah. But well, there, they, are, there are other bands called the Billy T Band. There's at least two or three, a couple, of, there's one in Australia, and there's... Uh, it's just a few, but you'll find, you'll see my picture. And that's important. I had a problem with another artist that goes by John Allen, and it's some very strange. It's it's there are some pieces of music there, but a lot of it is just, it sounds like computer sounds, mm -hmm. uh, like a, not even techno. I mean, it's there's no musicality to it. It's just sounds. Uh, and he go by, goes by the name of John Allen. So I uh, I don't think about it so much anymore, but when I first started out with putting my music up, I had to tell people, just just look at the picture. Uh, oh. I'm the black guy. <laughs> J-A-R, Jar. Isn't Armed Marines called Jarheads? Jarheads, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but but as you noticed, I don't use my last name. No. I just go by John yeah, Allen yeah. because the Norwegians can't pronounce it. They would call me Jon Allan Eresa. And I'm like, this is too difficult. Uh, I mean, that's fine to pronounce it that way, but that's not my name. So for artist purposes, I drop my last name, Reese, and just go by John Allen. Now they well, kind of get it that it's an American pronunciation. I'm William. William. Yeah, William, but William. Uh, I say Bill, Billy. I don't yeah. care. <laughs> so get out there, everybody, if you can. Uh, I don't know if there's tickets available, yeah, uh, but, sure but go on the event on the Billy T Band on Facebook. See if there's availability. Uh, and we'll see you there on the 23rd at whatever time it is, roughly 8 o'clock p.m. or something like that. I highly recommend this album. I'm fortunate that uh, I got to hear it already. Uh, I'm going to let the secret out. This is a great album. So check it out, everybody. Bill. Thank you, John. Thanks again. John Allen. <laughs> John Allen. John Allen Ressa with William Truiani. Well, no. How would they say that? William Roger Bloomgren Jr. There you go. Well, that's a mouthful. All right. Thanks a lot, Bill. Bye, everybody.